0: We are back for week two of the Prep Rally Podcast, brought to you by The Courier Journal. That sounds very professional, by the way. You like that? very good. Not bad, not it's bad, right? That's why we keep you around here. That's it. That's the only reason, because I can do professional intros. But I am Dominique Gates. Joining me is Jason Frakes. We finally had a week of high school football, and uh, first thing I'll say this personally, it actually felt pretty good. Like It felt great being able to go to games and taking that hot sun on a Friday night, and For those of us that were at the Trinity game we were there till very very late because they like to throw the ball and we of course we'll talk about Trinity we'll talk about a lot but uh before we dive deep into it Jason I mean just what were your feelings like you were finally able to get out there taking a week one game it felt a little bit more normal having fans in the stands packed crowds so what was it like for you
1: yeah it was nice and you know Trinity was packed I was at their game with Carmel on Friday and you know there weren't many open seats in that entire stadium and you know it was it was back the way it used to be you know packed stadiums uh you know a good game nice weather uh yeah it was nice to be back out there um you know i <laughs> i'm not sure i was ready for a, a three-hour game the, the first <laughs> night out so yeah. that was a little different although we, you know we did have quite of a delay there in the very beginning when when uh f- poor fred cowgill got trucked yeah. by armand tucker so that uh, glad Fred is is doing better, but uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely nice to to be back out there and, and and seeing a nice big crowd.
0: That is the funny thing you mentioned, like it being a three hour game, and I started at Central against Manual, where they ran the ball the whole time, and I jokingly said like if I just stayed there the whole night, like I would have been done two hours early, but no complaints. Hey, you still have to check out what Trinity would look like. So uh, let's dive right into this podcast. First things first, after week one, not only the game you saw against Trinity, but you saw scores around the state. You saw some different things. Just, you know, what were your impressions on week one, and were there some things that you learned or maybe still curious about?
1: Well, you know, I think, you know, starting with the game I was at Carmel Trinity, we knew going in that Trinity's defense, um, you know, was going to have some growing pains. You know, with 11 new starters on defense, uh, I think they started four sophomores I think probably at least three or four others played quite a bit, so you know a very young defense. And uh, you know, for the first eight or so minutes, it looked like it wasn't going to matter. They were up seventeen nothing. They yeah. got a they got a pick six uh, uh, from McEnany, He's a guy who's going to be really good. He's one of their sophomore linebackers. And then uh, Carmel got a pick six to get within seventeen seven, and that really sort of uh, got Carmel going. And um, you know, Carmel had a, a senior quarterback, Zach Osborne, who's going to Colgate and you know, once they got that offense rolling and um, you know, he ran a lot of read option and um you know, Trinity's defense is gonna get better at that. But, you know, Carmel having a senior quarterback who's a good senior quarterback, uh, he finally figured out how to take advantage and uh <laughs> Kind of a weird stat. You know, they gave up 49 points in one game. You know how many points they gave up in 10 games last year? 48. Yeah. <laughs> so uh definitely some some different times. It's the most they've given up in any game uh since that 2002, 59-56 famous 4-A state final. They actually won that game. They gave up 56 points to Mail. But uh so yeah, things are different for that Trinity defense, and uh, you know, they're gonna get better. But the the the, the tough part for them is they're their schedule doesn't get much easier.
0: Well, that's the thing that stood out to me. I think my biggest takeaway is that, yeah, they lost. Yeah, they gave up a lot of points. But I do think that once the season's over, I think they're going to be better than people expect them to be. And it does kind of remind me of before that, those back-to-back state finals where they struggled early in the year. And again, because the schedule, it made them look we could say worse than they were, but they still, what they made a run to the semifinals yeah, that yeah. year and lost to Mel in yeah. 2018, so yeah. th- that's kind of the trend that I feel. It's like if you can ball up what you did in that first quarter when you were up really big and you were rolling, because I was actually checking the scores when I was at Central Manual, and I said, oh shoot, Trinity might be all right. I need to hurry up and get over there before we get a running clock, but obviously it was a much different story heading into halftime when Carmel yeah. was able to score again, but I think that's the one thing. Obviously, Trinity is Trinity. So if you like sleep or overlook them at any point, you still they could still you know jump on you and make you look foolish. But at least for right now, because of they still got to play you know Molar at Cincinnati and you still got some really good teams in Ohio and Illinois. So it's again it's gonna be a ugly at times regular season. But I think towards the end of the year, towards October, November, you know who knows what Trinity could do. I still don't think they're gonna be the state favorite by no means, but. I think they still could, you know, turn a few heads and build some momentum heading into 2022.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned that 2018 team because that 2018 team started a ton of sophomores, too. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that's, that's one sort of, you know, mirror of, of that team. And I think they went they finished 7-7 seven and seven and darn near beat Mayo in the, in the state semifinals. So, yeah, they're going to get better.
0: Yeah. And the one unique thing, too, again, like looking at some scores, nothing really surprised me. You know, I guess when we were talking last week on the show, we talked about, like, the Beachwood being really good and this team that they should be really good. And we knew Mel would be Mel. So, like, again, it's like, wasn't really surprised by that score. Again, that's going to be their scores pretty much all this season for the most part. So, again, nothing really else surprised me. Uh, I know we looked at some records and things of that nature. Uh, One thing that's always difficult, especially week one, when we made our predictions, is figuring out scores. Yeah. Like, I don't think any score was even close to being on the money, but at least it makes more sense heading into week two when you see some different players. But i see one team that surprised me, and they made me look really foolish on this show, was St. X. Talk about a performance they had against with scoring 51 points. Yeah. I don't even know if they scored that many all of, you know, last season. So, and again, I know like, Kevin Wallace was thinking, like, hey, I can't lose at Rash Stadium. And looks like St. X, who knows what we could be talking about in 6A. They might be that second, third team by the you know, time the season's over. But beating a good Orangeboro team that was in the state finals last year, a quarterback that's committed to Rutgers that could be a Mr. Football type guy, you know, St. Eggs, they might have something brewing over there right now.
1: Yeah, I think they do. And, you know, Jack Savori is finally healthy. Uh, their senior quarterback, and I think what he accounted for, six touchdowns in that game. He, <laughs> he threw for three and rushed for three. And, uh, uh, you know, Michael Duddy, who's was always been a threat in that passing game, he caught all three of those touchdown passes. So, um, you know, they definitely found something to, to build on with their offense. Uh, One interesting part, you know, for me in that game is in in talking to Kevin Wallace after they finished that game with six of their starters on defense out. (laughs) Now, they went into it with, I think, three or four of them already out that didn't even dress. But then they lost Micah Carter during the game. I think they lost another guy during the game. And so, um, so when you see they gave up 38 points... You think well, maybe their defense isn't as good as you, we thought it was going to be. Well, like I said, they finished it without six starters, and like you said, they were going up against uh, a quarterback in in, in Wimsett who uh, uh, really showed himself. I think as probably the front runner f- for uh, for Mr. Football. So yeah, I think Saint X has a lot to build on. You know, I, I have them ranked number two in the state, regardless of class. I think I think they have that high of a ceiling. You know, I, I think I don't think anybody's beaten male this year. But I think you know when you, talk to, you start to look at the top of 6A, you know, I, I don't see a reason why Saint X is in the head of Trinity right now. You yeah. know, given what they have back and given what they have in their defense, and you know, I, I don't see anybody out there in 5A or 4A or any other class that you, you look at and say, hey, they're definitely better than Saint X. So, um, you know, we'll see how that 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 goes the rest of the season. But in my mind. I think they are deserving of being the number two team in the state.
0: I think that's very fair and very true. And I think the one thing that did surprise me, I, I, some of the scores in terms of some of the teams that are so like really really good, it was rough. And you look at teams like Belfry that got blown yeah. out, and uh, well, I think Paintsville had a loss, you know. And I, yeah. I guess well, you, uh, go ahead. Sorry,
1: yeah, go ahead. I, like you said, um, I was looking this up, and you mentioned Paintsville. Four of the six defending state champions from last year got beat. Yeah, wow. Yeah, Trinity lost, Bowling Green lost, Ashland Blazer lost, and Paintsville lost. So um, maybe this is a, a changing of the guard kind of uh, season for looking It's
0: at. it's very true. Yeah, because yeah, in the uh, the classic at Western Kentucky with Bowling Green and South Warren played, and South Warren seems like they're going to be really good once yeah. again in five A. Yeah, Covington Catholic lost. So. Yeah, it could be uh, it could be a fun year. And, uh, you know, I guess for me personally, I love to see different teams emerge. And we've talked about some, you know, other teams that have, uh, you know, that could turn some heads and do some good things. And, uh, you know, again, it looks like, you know, Christian Academy. They made me, I'll eat some crow too. They made me look like a fool with my pick against South Odom. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun year too. And uh, I look forward to what some of these teams uh, will do. All right, Jason, let's talk about something here. This is uh, I I think what I texted you about this on Thursday or Friday, whenever your story was published about it, and I said, "All right, let's talk about this." It is this fun new KHSAA rule. Um, I don't know. I'm not a guy that's always like trying to quote unquote stick it to the man, like (laughs) picking on the NCAA or the KHSAA. Anybody in authority, I I don't like try to be that guy. But at the same time, you know, I, I like to speak my opinion on things. So uh, coaches have weighed in on it. This this KHSAA rule that kind of assigns win losses for COVID-related cancellations. And for you, again, you were able to get a little more clarity you yeah. mentioned compared to when the story was published. Uh, but so at least from right now, from what everybody has gathered, and I, again, I want you to clarify, like so the KHSAA counts COVID cancellations Last year, it was just no contest. Right. Zero-zero, automatic. Zero, automatic. But now it's, like, treated as a forfeit loss, and it's if you can't make up the game. Is that correct? So, yeah. again, I'm, I'm going to let you take yeah, it away.
1: Yeah, um, You know, a reporter always tries to maybe – obviously, we were trying to get everything right, and I, and I think the story I wrote last week was right. It just wasn't complete, if you will. <laughs> yeah. So um, – I think in the days since I've written that story, uh, we've gotten a lot more clarity from the KHSAA. And so I, I should probably go on the record right now for apologizing for any uh, um, mistakes this may have created. So, But yes, right now, as, as it goes, if, if you have to cancel because of COVID, if, you, if I'm a team, I can't play because of COVID. I take a forfeit loss. The team I was supposed to play takes a forfeit win. However... <laughs> and this is where we've sort of gotten some clarification in the last three or four days. If I've canceled, the team I was supposed to play finds another game. It doesn't have to necessarily be we we have to play. If the team I was supposed to play finds any other opponent, then I no longer take a forfeit loss. So here here's a scenario. Uh, North Oldham was supposed to play Carroll County. Carroll County had to cancel. North Odom found another opponent and lost that game. So North Odom isn't one and one. They don't get a forfeit win for the COVID cancellation mm-hmm. and then take the loss. So um, so as long as that team finds another opponent, then I don't have to take a forfeit loss. Now here's a really unique scenario. <laughs> Southern. Southern is still 2-0. and They got a forfeit win and they found another opponent. So they are still listed as 2-0 and 0 on the scoreboard. Yep. However, because they played Valley, that was a the team they were supposed to play later on in the year. Yep. They moved that game to this week or last week. Now, if Southern goes and finds... Uh, they have two open dates on their st- schedule still. So if they find a, a team to play on one of those open dates, then that forfeit win they have goes away. And it goes back to 0-0. So... I know that sounds incredibly complicated. I don't know any other way or simpler way to explain it, but that's just the way it is. So I think what the cage don't really realize is if they were going to give forfeit wins, that conceivably a team could go 20-0 and 0 during the regular season. Yes. You could get a forfeit win, reschedule, and get a win. So that obviously wasn't going to work. So if you find another opponent, you no longer get a forfeit win or loss. That's a lot. That that is a lot, and, and I and I apologize for all you listeners out there having to go through that. But I sat here for twenty minutes trying to find a better way to explain it, and it, it's complicated.
0: It's very complicated, <laughs> and I I just don't know how to feel about it right yeah. now. And like, look, I I don't know. I just my worry too is like, cause I mean, you saw it last year. Coaches, players, they will abuse right. that ability right. It's like, well, hey, we got a good record right now. We're not. Why not? You know, go through the process of maybe playing a team, hurt our RPI, and yeah. we can still host playoff games and different things of that nature. So that's why, like, I do think you got to find a way to make these games up. But what I guess I'm still trying to figure out too. Like you mentioned, Southern, in that situation, they already have their two and and0 and they've only played one game. But what okay. if that team wasn't able to make up a game right. or go through that process? So, or if they intentionally choose not to make up a game, it's like, well, hey, we're one and Yep. Why worry about it? And why risk playing a team that we knew we wouldn't beat anyways? So th- that's where I'm just – I'm yeah. tossed and turned about it. And overall, I just don't know if I like the rule. Right. But, hey, there is no better rule out there, honestly.
1: Well, I, I think what we're going to see is I, I think it was pretty easy for teams to reschedule opponents here in this first week. Yeah. And I think once we get into district play yeah. – um, and, and, you know, some of those ge- weeks where you have district games and, and teams are – other teams aren't playing district games and something happens, that's going to be really hard to reschedule once we get into the meat of the season. And so I think maybe then we're going to be hearing more about teams having to take forfeit losses and maybe some coaches more. Because, you know, one of the coaches that was really outspoken about this was uh, John Hollick at, at Jackson County. Yep. And then, you know, he thought he was going to have to take a forfeit loss. Well, the team he was supposed to play found another game. So now they don't have a forfeit loss on their schedule, and and this is going to be a really fluid situation because I, I think if you know if teams aren't able to find replacements, then some of these games could change from zero to zero games. It's a very fluid thing. We're we're gonna have to wait and see how it all works out. But I, I think just in the last three three or four days, we realized that maybe. It's not quite as bad as we thought it was going to be, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a fair point to make because, again, you know, there, there's no way to work. it. Like, there's no such thing as a perfect rule yeah. because we're dealing with an imperfect virus. Yes. So I, I, that's the one thing we have to hang our hats on. The one thing, too, I do, my worry, I don't think this will be a genuine worry, but I just hope that coaches won't, like, try to be more quiet about it, like tell a player, like, hey, if you're feeling sick, don't come around. Or like, don't go get a test, but just stay home. You know, like, I just hope they don't abuse this. You know, with everything with the virus and these rules, saying, "Well, we don't want to risk taking a loss or losing a game, or blah blah blah," because the kid is sick, and they want to. You know, they try to bend the rules. That's my hope. I don't believe that'll happen or anything like that. But again, I just there's just a lot right now that I'm still just going back and forth about. So again, I just hope that nothing like that will happen. And again. Kudos to you for digging into this story and writing it because I would not like. To. I wish I'd, I.
1: just wish I'd done a better job at the beginning of it. But I. I, I think in last week in talking to Julian Tackett, I could be. I'm not sure even he knew how this was all going to play out. Yeah. As far as the way things were, and, and I mean this really all just boils down to the scoreboard in the cage, just the way where everybody goes to look at results and stuff. Yeah. And, and he did mention last week that these were going to be sort of clerical issues. It was going to be a, a, a sort of a fluid situation throughout the years. So, you know, if you go on there and you see your team has a forfeit loss right now, just keep in mind that that could change based on what happens to the team you were supposed to play and that, you know, this is all sort of a fluid situation.
0: Absolutely. But I am glad the clarifications that you made uh... – I'm glad you made those because I was about to go on a really big rant last week. Just texting you, I said, I'm about to go on a rant.
1: No, I I agree. If it had stayed the way, it was going to create a whole lot of confusion if every single one of those games, no matter what, was going to be a forfeit.
0: Yes, so it it was going to – yeah, I was going to get on a huge (laughs) rant and I was going to just hop on that pedestal for a minute. But thankfully I don't have to. But I still (laughs) am being candid and saying, yeah, this is definitely going to be a work in progress. But – I do want to see a few more weeks into this, and, and we'll go from there. But let's for now, uh, I want to circle back a little bit to Trinity, mainly because we were able to talk to Jacob after that first game. So I want to take a few minutes to listen to him just reflect on that. And his first game as Trinity's head coach, and obviously he wasn't pleased because of the turnovers and just how they, yeah. you can say, collapsed at the end there. But let's listen to Jacob as this week's you say, prep rally guest, and he just kind of dives into game one.
2: I mean, you know, I've been in this game a long time. It's never as bad as you think it is. and never as good as Thank you think it is. So you to need coach. to go, go back and look at it, and we'll try to get better. Okay? Jay,
1: you knew your defense was going to have some growing pains. Um, you know, turnovers set you up in some bad spots sometimes with that defense, but just what did you see overall? From
2: well, I mean, they threw the slot fade all night long. They got the matchup with the slot in the corner. That's the sophomore uh, safety. Took advantage of them, both of them. Uh, You know, those two guys have to understand that's part of it. Corner should have sunk. There's some things that should have happened on that. We didn't get pressure on nine. We did at times in the game. When we played with intensity in the first uh, seven, eight, nine minutes of the first quarter, we're a good football team. That can overcome some of your youth and some of your inexperience that you have. When you don't play with that kind of intensity, you're in trouble, and that's what we saw.
1: I mean, not to put it on one play, but that pick six really kind of you're up 17 nothing and have the ball, and that really kind of seemed to change momentum.
2: Yeah, and it was a rub play, and, they, you know, they're in a cover three, and they're skying down with that. We're rubbing the safety, and we don't touch it, you know, and so the safety doesn't get rubbed, so he's right there. We made some poor decisions, you know, uh, from the quarterback spot. Brady will get better. Uh, that's part of it. He needs reps in order to get better, and that's what we have to do. Still put up 38 points, though. Well, we did. Uh, we got the turnovers early. We had a pick six ourselves with Mack There's some things we'll go back and take a look at film. There's there's a ton to improve. Yeah, Jay, I know this is a
0: young team. They haven't been in this situation before. I guess what is the message uh, to these guys just to try
2: to keep them going? Well, you coach them up. You know the thing you don't do is get frustrated. Just chew on them and everything else you got to coach them up so when you're telling them something it better be something specific in terms of what will make their technique better or get them better as a football player and that's how we're going to approach the entire year
0: one thing i can say uh Obviously, well, I'm sure he handles wins great, but I get tip of the cap to Jay Cobb for handling a loss great because I'm sure he felt the weight of the world of Trinity on his shoulders after the first loss. So uh, I'm sure he's not on social media or anything, so I'm sure that would he wouldn't want any part of that. But uh, at least he handled that well, and uh, again, we're going to talk about uh, the game that they have in just a minute. But uh, before we get into that, uh, it's time for a few picks. and. Uh, predictions and uh, I know you wrote down the records and uh, one thing I learned that uh, I, my undefeated season ended after week one. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: I don't think anybody's going to undefeated after week one, but yeah, um, yeah, you're two games behind me already there, buddy.
0: Hey, it's all right. I'm going to redeem myself <laughs> after this week. I'm calling it now, but let's go ahead and uh, from the top five games in the area this week, let's make some picks on those, but before also I do want to dive into Mel as well. So the first game that we have is Ballard at Mel. One thing from Ballard that was one of the games that I got wrong—they managed to get a win against Hopkinsville, and um, it seems like I guess you know defensively they're going to be yeah. um, in pretty good shape. They've been pretty strong defensively uh, for really the past couple of years, no question about that. But they are going to different—they're going to have a new beast, or <laughs> rather a new bulldog, yes. <laughs> pun intended—when they got Mel on Friday.
1: Yeah, um, you know, going to Hopkinsville versus going to Mayo is quite a different trip. Although, <laughs> you know, Bower's down three nothing in that game at Hopkinsville, and then they outscored him twenty eight to nothing in the second half. Yeah. And got a nice win. Shante Marrero had a huge game. He scored on a, a touchdown catch, a punt return, and a kickoff return. He's yeah. one of the better uh, athletes in the city. Of course, we know him from Bower's basketball team as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you go to Hopkinsville. That's that's always a good win, um, yeah. even if you are a six A team. So. Um, but, yeah, they got a different animal going against Mayo. And, uh, you know, Mail just – they played for central last week and won 49 to nothing. Um, <laughs> we kind of mentioned Mayo's schedule last week. And after I made that comment last week, they, they do have a very good schedule this year. Um, so I, I'm not saying that. I, I, I think, though, when you look at the last – Eight or ten years, and opening with Floyd Central, you, you you just wish that a team like Mayo maybe had a better opponent yeah. than, than Floyd Central in week one. You know they, they've destroyed that that program uh, for you know eight or seven or eight straight years now. So uh, when you have that much hype around a program, and, and I get contracts, and I get you know these these games are awfully you know scheduled two or three years in advance. So. I you know I'm not tri- trying to put too much pressure on them, but it would be nice if they maybe had a better opponent than Floyd Central in their first game. Yeah, uh, but they destroyed them forty nine to nothing as we expected. Uh, Daniel Sweeney had a nice game on the ground. Their defense only gave up eighty yards, so uh, you know they're off to the the start we expected.
0: Yeah, I mean what I guess that's again what else can you say? You, it's going to be the same guys. It's going to be the same pl- pl- like players that just complete. This team, so yeah. they just don't have many weaknesses either. It's no, like pick no. your poison. They're gonna run the ball on you. You got Chuddy that's gonna throw the ball. He's got Vinny Anthony. He's starting. They just got D one players on the field, and I'm not gonna get into this because I'm sure we will at some point. People love to talk about the private school, public school. Arguments and talent. Well, Mel says not really? so fast. Talk about that yeah, already? exactly. Right. I never heard of that. Yeah, it's new. It's just they just started talking started about it last year. year. Okay, okay. Yeah, they didn't have much I'll, to I'll try talk. To learn about. more
1: about that by the next time we do
0: this. We'll dive into it. But I will say, I guess you can see public school kids can play sports as well. Big shocker. But that's gonna be Mel. And they're going to just do that to everybody. And uh, I guess the only other team is we talked about the Louisiana team. Yeah, it's numbers. like who knows about them. But in terms of in-state talent or right across the bridge in Indiana, I just don't know who's coming close.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, they got to play St. and Trinity this year, and those are going to be tough games oh, for yeah. them. Oh, but yeah. I think they are prohibited <laughs> prohibitive favorites yeah. uh, in, in both of those games right now. Now, who knows? Oh, yeah. With injuries and stuff, things oh, yeah. can change. But – um, you know, right now I think they're two touchdowns better than everybody in the state.
0: Absolutely. And like you mentioned, it's not a disrespect to no. St. X or Fern Creek or Manuel, yeah. but, yeah, that's just the name there of the be game. There
1: have been times when St. X and Trinity were two touchdowns better over the last 20 years, you know, two touchdowns better than everybody else. But um, I think Mail is
0: that team right now. That's true. So, like, Mayo hosting Ballard. Like,
1: yeah, it's a, you know, it's a good rivalry game. Just a little history. Uh, Ballard beat Mail 7 to 3 in 2009. So, what was that, 12 years ago? Yeah. That's the last time Ballard beat Mail. Mayo. Uh, Mail's won nine in a row since then. Uh, they didn't play last year because of COVID, but yeah. uh, Mail's won nine in a row since then. And I would venture a guess that at least half of those were running clocks.
0: Yes. And so, this Friday, is it going to be 10 in a row for <laughs> Mail?
1: Uh, yes. Yes, I will definitely take Mel to win this game.
0: Are you picking Ballard? No, I am picking Mel. Uh, if I can stand in front of the cheerleaders and team at Prep Rally when we used to do that place in person, if I could pick Mel with them weighing down on me, I can pick them. Over a podcast with just me, you sitting in a sound editing room. So, uh, the other game, this is going to be another interesting game for me. Bullet Central at Collins, both teams looked really well in week one. You know, Bullet Central blew out Wagner 52 to 24, and then you threw in Collins 62 to 7, route over Shelby County, and Kenyon Gooden.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, my goodness. What a performance. This kid,
1: we're going to be talking about this kid for a couple more years. Yeah
0: was a junior quarterback too yeah. so yeah. yeah yeah, just terrific
1: yeah he was a uh, honorable mention all state last year as a sophomore at Collins as a wide receiver they moved him to quarterback and all he did was throw for uh throw five touchdown passes and run for two more yep. against their their I don't know if it's a hated rival uh, I don't think Collins and Shelby County get along real great I don't know if I'd say that it's a hated rival or right. not Collins is still a a fairly new school but those those two schools don't get along so right. uh you, you can bet that collins those collins fans were happy to see that 62 to to seven score so yeah uh kenyan's good and having a great he's gonna have a great uh, career i think he always i think he already has an offer from eastern kentucky so uh we'll be watching out for him and then you mentioned bullet central uh, that that was one of the games last week that i picked that i missed uh they wrote 512 rushing yards. That's a lot. Uh, uh, the two Zachary, Zachary Schaffner, Zachary Rose, both had big games. And so uh, I'm going to pick Collins to win this game. But, um, you know, anytime you have a couple of 1-0 schools that maybe, um, I'm not saying it's surprising they're both 1-0, and but two teams we didn't talk about a lot in this offseason, uh, it'll be interesting to see which one of, that, one of those comes out at, at 2-0.
0: I agree. Yeah, I, I'm not going to stick with Collins as well. Um, I, I'm, I, again, I, just like you mentioned, impressed with Gooden and the type of performance he had because when he was wide receiver last year or like running back, you know, that's mainly what he did because Jerry Lucas' son was the quarterback last year. Yep. So now that Gooden gets to step in, and I remember talking to uh, Jerry Lucas in the offseason last year, and he said, you know, Kenyon Gooden, he's going to be good. And we just like, we got an athlete, we got a superstar. So it seemed like he is correct. So I will go with Collins in that game as well. St. X at Central. I was able to watch again that first half against Central, and early on they were dominating Manual. I was a little surprised at how not good Manual looked. <laughs> I thought they would look a little bit better, and it took two like heroic touchdowns and Juwan Northington showing he was the best player on the field, making a defensive stop at the end to beat Central, fourteen to twelve. But I mean, we talked about last week. That's always a low-scoring, close game, so no surprises there. But <laughs> In terms of the sloppiness, I was really surprised, but, I mean, they got the win week one. They didn't even play four games last season, so, you know, they were still able to get the game, but now it's not going to be any easier for Central because, again, St. Nex just proved that they're going to be in pretty good shape. So I'm picking St. X. To win over Central in that game, so uh, how are your feelings on that one?
1: Yeah, I'll take the Tigers. Although I am a little concerned about their defense, like we said, uh, yeah. you know they finished that Owensboro game with uh, with six starters on their defense out, and so uh, we'll get an update from Kevin Wallace later this week. Try to see you know how many of those guys, if any of them, will be back uh, to face Central, and you know Central gives them some some matchup problems with yeah. their speed and uh, the things they're able to do, and. Um, you know, Central finally got their first ever win over Sanex six years ago, uh, um, back when Ty Scroggins was still at Central. That was a huge moment for them. But, you know, Sanex has won four in a row since then. I think that, I think Sanex is definitely the favorite with Jack Savory and what he's doing at uh, – what he's doing at – you know, leading that that offense, and, and it looks like Michael Duddy is going to emerge as a, as a huge threat. and You can't forget about Mike Mackay Smith, and yep. you know Justin Walsh had a nice game on the on the ground for him at running back, running for 95 yards. So, um, you know Central's got some weapons with Malachi Williams. Uh, they had a freshman Cortez Stone uh, who returned a kickoff 80 yards for a touchdown uh, against Manuel last week. So, uh, you know Central's always going to have some weapons. They're always going to play. Pretty tough, but uh, yeah, I'll take CNX.
0: Yeah, no question about that. Let's move along, though. Fairdale at South Odom. I mean, we we mentioned last week that, like, the Fairdale Beachwood game, we both kind of called that, so no surprise at that score. You have a defending Mr. Football there. You have a defending state champion. Uh, You have, like, we mentioned a Fairdale team that, you know, they don't have a lot of pieces right now. They missed some pieces from last year, and. Uh, they still were, you know, able to kind of go through that uphill battle. So to play a team of Beachwood's caliber is not going to be easy by no means. But again, kudos to them for beefing up that schedule. And now you got, uh, you're, it continues with the South Odom team. Granted, I picked South Odom to beat Cal. South Odom didn't impress too much in that game by no means. And with 31-11 to 11 win for Christian Academy, which is impressive, and you would kind of mention that there's been some rumblings Cal might be all right, and yeah. it shows that you know they're off to a good start. But I will still, I guess I'll stick with South Odom against Fairdale right now, be just because of yeah. how banged up Fairdale is. Yeah. Uh, so that that's just kind of how I'll go with for now.
1: Yeah, I, I, this is a tough game to pick, and what we're recording this on a Tuesday, I might would change my mind by Thursday once <laughs> yeah. I you know maybe hear some more news about this game, but you know i got a text from Lewis Dover Ferguson's coach on friday morning of last week um they had seven starters out uh and it wasn't covid they got strep what <laughs> so they had strep run through their program and wow. uh, they were missing some some starters from that beachwood game and, and like you said after the game you know it was it was going to take a he didn't say a miracle but it was it was going to take a a perfect game for them to beat Beachwood if they had everybody, but then you know they show up with with so many guys out, and so that obviously hurt. But yeah, they're they're breaking in a new quarterback. They're they lost quite a bit of of nice talent on that team from last year that was undefeated going into the playoffs. You know, Josh Kinnabrew is a is a is a talented kid who can who can do some things. But yeah, I, I just think. I think both of those teams, Fairdale South Oldham at full strength, that would be sort of a toss-up, sort of coin flip yeah, matchup. Yeah, it, it would. But I think given that we don't know what Fairdale is going to have, um, South Oldham got a really nice test against Cal. I'm sure learned a lot about their team in that game. Yeah, it's at South Oldham, so yeah, I- I'd say South Oldham's probably a slight favorite in this game. I'll go with them.
0: Yeah, I will too, But and, and you agree. I agree, not by a whole lot. I, I think it could be similar to, I just mentioned, the central manual game where it's just yeah. like a barn burner yeah, and I, very close.
1: wouldn't be surprised at all if Fairdale won.
0: Not at all, not at all. And again, it, that'll be an interesting game, and I'm curious about that outcome. Yeah. Uh, finally, let's do Trinity at uh, Cincinnati-Molar. Again, this is going to be an uphill battle for Trinity. Uh, Cincinnati, uh, the Molar team, they were able to get a win uh, against the Team Lakota East. Again, these are teams... That's the thing. For the next what I don't know four weeks when we're talking about Trinity's games, like don't know much about this team. Right. Yeah. Fill in the blanks because they're not from Kentucky, uh, but just looking at stats uh, from uh, Molar, and then after seeing Trinity with my own eyes, right now with this type of schedule they're playing, it's going to be hard for me to comfortably pick them to win against some of these teams yeah. because these are really really good teams. Like if it was last year's team, I'd pick Trinity easily, yeah. but. Right now, I'm gonna go with the teams that have more experience and have gone through the gauntlet. So, yeah, I'm gonna stick with the Moeller in this game.
1: Yeah, I was sitting here thinking, I'm not sure Moeller is as good as Carmel, right? If that, you know, if we're kind of comparing these first two opponents, I don't know that. But just given. You know, Mower obviously has that reputation and that tradition. They, they haven't been great these last couple of years. They haven't had great records. They haven't gone on deep playoff runs in Ohio. But, you know, just kind of looking at their roster, they have a six foot six quarterback, uh, Noah Geselbrack, I think that's how you say it. He yeah. threw for 250 yards and three touchdowns last week yeah. uh, in that win. Uh, they have a really good running back and ran for 123. They have a tight end, Josh Caddis, who is committed to the University of Kentucky. They also have a senior wide receiver, Brandon White, who I think is probably their best athlete and kind of what I read. He's supposed to announce his commitment Friday, and he's down to UK, Indiana, Purdue, and West Virginia. So, you know, they have some high-end Power 5 talent on that team. And, you know, Trinity might have some high-end Power 5 talent on their team in their sophomore class that we yeah. do, we don't realize is Power 5 talent yet. So um I think what stood out to me about Moeller is all those guys I just mentioned are seniors. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and so that for me is the difference yeah. when you're looking at these senior guys who have produced, who have talent, who are very good, and we saw that last week. Yeah, you know Trinity—they had all these sophomores. They played young. They played on emotion those first few, first few minutes of the game. They got up seventeen nothing, and then. Reality said out. Reality said it. It. Yeah. And, I, and I think until they get over that hump, I, I just have a hard time they're going to get over that hump on the road yep. against a traditional power, against talented seniors. And so, could Trinity win this game? Definitely. But I think if you're being, uh, you know, just looking at it on paper, like pretty much what we're doing, yeah. um, I think mower is the team to win that game.
0: Not only the experience, but too, if you look at the matchups in terms of like what was hurting Trinity in that game, yeah, the deep balls, those right. passes, yes. the secondary for Trinity, yeah, they basically crumbled. So yes, when you're certainly. talking about a D one, a, a D one wide receiver, you're looking at a D one tight end. Yes. That's the yes. difference for yes. me. So that's why it's hard for me to pick yeah. Trinity. So it's,
1: it's it's hard to see those sophomores figuring it out in a week. Yeah. Exactly. I, I do think they'll be better. Yes, I think they'll be better. Um... And, you know, Trinity had five turnovers on offense last week and still put up 38 points. Yeah. So if they can figure that out, not give up a pick six like they did, you know, I don't think Trinity is going to be out of this game by any means. No, but, no.
0: Um, we'll see. Yeah, so that, that's going to be something I'm I'm That's a Saturday
1: afternoon game, by the way. It's uh, 1 o'clock if anybody cares. There you huh.
0: go. I guess before we really get college football going, you can <laughs> go to Cincinnati yeah. and watch Trinity play if well, that's who's like. a,
1: a game in August at 1 o'clock? I That's not. what I don't
0: understand.
1: <laughs> Definitely, why not. are you playing at one o'clock on a Saturday? Um, <laughs> yeah. That sounds like uh, heat uh, heat rule possibilities <laughs> out the. I don't know. Yeah. we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully it works out. For
0: me. Absolutely, it's just so a weird
1: time for a game for me.
0: Very weird time, but hey, it's that. Well, I guess this week there's no controversy. We we picked all the same teams, but that happens sometimes. It won't happen all the time, no, but no. and that wasn't by design because I wanted to try to even the <laughs> score. On us, So I actually should be making some different picks, but I'll do that on the big picture. Yeah,
1: right. we, we don't get out through, you know, there's 21 in Louisville area games. We don't go through them all on this podcast. So you, you can find out who we're picking in all those other games online and uh, follow along and pick against us and let us know how
0: you're doing. Absolutely. One last thing. I know we've went a little bit longer, but I think we, I want to end this on a good story. And it's a happy story because you just mentioned Ty Scroggins earlier when we were talking about Central. It's only fitting. I know people are have been critical of the JCPS and you know, the Board of Education and all of that. Here's something we can all love yes. and agree as they voted unanimously to name Central High School's football stadium and the surrounding athletic spaces after Ty Scroggins. You can say there, it's unanimous that they got that right, not only because of being the first black coach to win a state title in football, what he did for Central and just well, what he did for the community. Yeah. Uh, I, obviously, I didn't know him as long as you did. I only knew him for three years. But just getting to know him, he was great and nice to work with, very humble guy. You know, I He would introduce himself to me like I'm Ty Scroggins, like, I know, (laughs) but that was the type of person he was. And, you know, it was was obviously sad, uh, you know, losing him in February to COVID. Uh, But I think that's one thing we can agree on. This is just a great news story. And uh, we can all agree that a job well done by JCPS and Central.
1: Yeah. And, you know, obviously he's very deserving winning five state championships in his 10 years over there. Um, You know, I I saw a lot of comments on Twitter is like, why do they even have to vote? This is a no-brainer, and yes, it, it was a no-brainer. But <laughs> when you, when you have a bureaucracy like JCPs, and this is the thing I want people to understand, it's not easy to do something like this. No, it's not easy just to name a stadium after someone and get this done, especially especially in such a short turnaround. You know, <laughs> you know, it, it's been a few months since since Ty passed away, but you know, I think they probably got this done in six months, which. Yeah for for jcps is, is a pretty pretty short turnaround so yeah. yes they deserve some credit for getting it done and and people should realize that getting these things done it's not as easy as it sounds so i'm glad it worked out um i yeah. miss Ty. i know we all miss tie Missing uh, him on the sidelines and uh, yeah. I- I'm glad they could do this for for his family, for his kids and, and for those who, who loved him the most.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, they're dealing with this in the midst of a COVID, yes. everything, you know, yes. so they're dealing with parents arguing about masks and uh, <laughs> so much other ridiculous stuff. Yes, ridiculous. My I, my vocabulary would be much worse, <laughs> but this is a podcast. I don't want to say anything <laughs> rude there. But, yeah, the fact that they were able to get this done, yeah, it was fantastic. So, yeah, great for Sherry Duff, you know, yes. so his fiance and the children. So, a job well done, and uh, I look forward to seeing the finished product. So, yeah. that, that's great. That's it on this week's show. That's week two. And we, we think it. We made it again. I know it. So, we're going to get ready for a great week of high school football. So, we do thank you all for listening to this podcast. And again, Follow along with us on social media. You can stream this on all social media platforms. We'll be sharing it as well. And again, enjoy the games. Be sure to send some feedback. And uh, we thank you all for listening to the Prep Rally Podcast. And we'll see you next week.